Welcome to a special edition of Conversations with Coleman. I've heard from some people in my audience who are confused by my support for Joe Biden. How come I'm not voting for the candidate that's not afraid to stand up to the woke left, to cancel culture, critical race theory, to all the things that I spend so much time worrying about on this show? How could I possibly prefer Biden when he's so clearly a Trojan horse for the left? When he's obviously too weak to stand up to the onslaught of social justice that will come at him from the left wing of his party? These are all valid questions, so I want to take some time to answer them here. Now, part of me worries it's hopeless to try to change minds at this point. After four years, most people have already decided who they support. But another part of me knows that there are people out there, some of them in my audience, that remain open-minded to the very end. And I'm guessing that my audience might even over-index on these kind of people. So I think it's worth my time to give you a flavor of how I'm thinking about the choice between Trump and Biden. So to start, a lot of the case for Trump isn't really a case for Trump, so much as it is a case against the biased mainstream media and the cultural left for their hypocrisy and their political bias and their moral grandstanding. And I get it. I could give many examples, but I'll just give a few. Right-wing anti-lockdown protests were characterized basically as mass murder because of the risk of spreading COVID, while much larger Black Lives Matter protests were characterized as so important and necessary, even by big-name doctors and health professionals who perfectly understood the risk of COVID and warned against it in the case of right-wing protests. And you're racist scum if you even wonder out loud whether the BLM protests are spreading COVID. So that's an example of of hypocrisy. As for political bias, you know, where to begin? The Hunter Biden story, Ukraine and China, selling his political influence. The New York Times would be tripping over itself to cover this story if it were about Don Jr. and his father. The emails, which as of Friday, October 23rd, no one in the Biden campaign has denied the accuracy of. This is exactly the kind of evidence that would have been adduced to prove that Trump was a Russian asset. And that story is another example. The heavy breathing about Russian collusion for years, only to find nothing of true substance. When skeptics like Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi were pointing out how thin this story was from the beginning, they were totally right. This is political bias. The fact that people still think Trump didn't condemn white supremacy in his Charlottesville speech, when he did it by name 15 or 30 seconds after the famous both sides comment, you know, and he's done it at least 10 other times in his presidency. That's pure confirmation bias and political tribalism. The fact that Trump's criminal justice policy has been fairly close to what was advocated in the new Jim Crow But that doesn't put a dent in the accusation of racism and law and order dog whistling uh, that's made against him. Outside of Fox News, which has a naked pro-Trump bias, the mainstream media has been totally unfair to Trump. They've been out to get him since the beginning, and they've become more stupid as a result. And I think a lot of people can see that. The 1619 Project, stealth editing its central claim that 1619 should be viewed as the true founding of the country. And Nicole Hannah-Jones, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, bald-faced lying about it, right? 
from the paper that sees itself as the gold standard of journalistic integrity. Amazon rejecting Shelby Steele's documentary about Ferguson and Michael Brown because it comes to the wrong conclusions. I could obviously go on forever, but I'll stop there. What I'm getting at is the unprincipled rot of wokeness, the Orwellian and authoritarian instinct of this new ideology that's very fast on its way to dominating the culture if it doesn't already. This is one of the great problems of our time. And it's one that I think I'm pretty clear-headed about. So the question is, if I understand this, why don't I support Trump? Well, there are two reasons. The first is that the executive doesn't have power over the ideas that dominate the culture. We're talking about a war of ideas here. A war that's taking place independent of anything Trump says or does. Yes, Trump can ban critical race theory brainwashing for federal employees. He can change Title IX policies. But if those are the only examples you can come up with, then you've just admitted that 99% of what matters in schools, in private workplaces, in state and local government, and so forth, Trump has no influence over. If the executive has a notable influence over the spread of wokeness, then why has wokeness gained so much ground over the past four years? Why didn't Trump use his incredible influence to stop it, or at least slow it down? Well, because he couldn't even if he tried. Even if he were a much more competent president than he is. That's just not how cultural causation works. It doesn't just flow from the top down. And by the same token, a President Biden couldn't move the needle on the spread of woke ideas if he wanted to. It's a common fallacy to attribute anything that happens with the economy to the president, for example. I would say however much power the president has over the economy, and it's not much, he has even less power over the culture at large. And whatever small influence Trump does have over the spread of wokeness, I'm not convinced that it's in the direction of stopping it rather than fanning the flames, if you look at the net result of his utterances. I know people who have become more woke because of Trump's style of speaking, People who have been radicalized by Trump's infamous statements about Mexican immigrants, for example. And Trump supporters should have no trouble agreeing with me on this point. The very notion of Trump derangement syndrome, which I agree can be a real thing, suggests that some people are pushed further to the left by Trump's style of speaking than they would be by a more conventional, conservative politician with the same policies. No one spoke of McCain derangement or Romney derangement. So do you really want a president that deranges the other side? In other words, do you want to live in a nation with a more deranged left wing or a less deranged left wing at the margin? That question should answer itself. We should want a president that makes an effort not to needlessly upset the half of the country that didn't vote for him. And Biden, despite all his flaws, is much closer to that kind of person than Trump is. And the second reason is that I don't buy this idea that Joe Biden is a Trojan horse for the social justice left. The idea that he's too weak to stand up to the pressure he'll get from his left. Or as Ben Shapiro put it, that the Democrats are the party of AOC and Bernie, and they're wearing the mask of Joe Biden. In theory, I can understand why people would be afraid of this. But look at what has actually happened. Right? The far left wants court packing, a radical policy. 
This is a perfect opportunity to test the theory that Biden is a Trojan horse. But what did Biden do? On Thursday, he said they'll form a commission to study it. And let's be clear about what that means. Form a commission is politician speak for fuck off, I'm never doing it. What is there even to study? You add liberal justices and the court becomes more liberal. End of study. So what he means is that we're not court packing. And how could he have said that if he's just a Trojan horse for the far left? Another example, in the final debate, he said, I beat Bernie and Elizabeth and all of those guys because I disagree with them. He's bragging about defeating the far left. Another perfect test. In the first debate, Trump challenges him that he won't even say the words law and order because the far left hates those words and he's a Trojan horse for them. And then Biden simply calls the bluff. He says, I'm for law and order plus justice. So where's the hard evidence that he's a Trojan horse or an empty suit? I understand this is a gut feeling people have. But because of that, there can be an air of unfalsifiability to it. If you believe he's a Trojan horse, ask yourself, what could he do or say in the next two weeks to convince you that he's not? If the answer is nothing, then your belief is unfalsifiable. Regardless of what happens this November, we will still be fighting a war of ideas against left-wing illiberalism one year from now, two years from now, and even 10 years from now. Four more years of Trump is not going to make that fight any easier. Anyway, that's the flavor of how I'm thinking about Trump versus Biden. As always, I welcome your feedback and your reactions, and thanks for listening.